Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah? Did you guys have a good new year? Yeah? I know. It's been a minute. I haven't preached for a minute. Uh, Clark really was wanting to preach, and then Leslie wanted to preach, so they kind of just said, well, I guess you're up, Matt. And I said, okay, I guess I can handle it. That's what happens when you have a bunch of introverts that preach, but we got to find somebody, right? I think Rick's the only one that's the extrovert. But so glad you're here this morning. Uh, uh, welcome. I want to go right into this, if that's okay with you guys. Uh, the scripture that I want to start with is Philippians 4.13. Have you guys ever heard of this scripture before? Uh, it says, in the New King James, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'll read it one more time just in case you missed it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, most of the time, maybe you could agree with me, but most of the time when we hear that scripture or we've seen that scripture, usually it's uh, before a big test. It might be before a big game. Did anybody watch the games last night? It's maybe before a big game. You hear that scripture quoted. I know Tim Tebow put it on his face paint on his face years ago and made that scripture fairly famous. Other than John 3.16, it was the, one of the second most famous scriptures that there is. But the general thinking around that scripture is that uh, I can do whatever it is that I want to do or I, my goal is to do because Jesus is with me and he gives me the strength to do it. Uh, I've even seen, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, I've seen tattoos um, where it has Philippians 4.13. Usually they try to shorten it, but I will say if you try to shorten it, make sure that it's P-H-I-L and not P-H-I-L-I-P because that is someone's name. So you want to go with P-H-I-L if you're going to do that. Don't ask the tattoo artist how to spell the abbreviation. Maybe ask somebody that knows the abbreviation, but I've seen it done on accident the wrong way. But if you have it that way, don't change it. Just leave it. Uh, but I've also seen it shortened. Um, I think the world's kind of adopted the scripture where it just says, I can do all things. They kind of even take Christ out of it. But they'll say, I can do all things. And I'll tell you, I spent a good portion of my life thinking that whatever I set my mind to, Whatever my goal is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if that is a good motivation, if you have that on your mirror, if you have a tattoo, however you have that, if you have that on your jersey, don't remove it. It's still a great scripture, and I think it's still a good motivation for people to want to get after whatever they're trying to go after, right? Um, but I will say, here's what I ran into. I don't know if you've run into this, but I ran into what do I do with that verse when life isn't going my way, when my job is frustrating me, what do I do? What do I do when life is too much to handle? What do I do when I fail miserably at something? I know it's hard to believe, but I fail miserably at some things, right? Or what do I do when I've missed it, when I missed something big, something I was supposed to do or something I was supposed to remember? What do I do? What do I do if I'm in a season of life that nothing is going my way, no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I pray, no matter how hard I believe, what do I do? What do I do with Philippians 4.13 then? 
Was there something wrong with my faith? Was there something wrong with Jesus? I would say no. The answer, the short answer to that is no. But I found that there was something wrong with my understanding of what Paul was intending with these words when he wrote them. Uh, years ago, when my, my wife and I were dating, uh, I, we lived in Oklahoma. We were both going to school out there, and we were dating. And so uh, her family happened to be going to the east coast of Florida, where some of the beaches are, and they invited us to come down. So we flew down to go spend some time with them, and they rented a big 15-passenger van. Her grandparents came, and pretty much the whole kit and caboodle, right? They all came, and we all squeezed in this 15-passenger van, and we're driving along the East Coast, and we're looking for a good beach to spend some time in. Now, mind you, I told you I was the new guy, and so the new guy, if you're the new guy, you kind of just keep your mouth shut, right? You kind of are reserved. You're there to observe. You're not there to tell anybody what to do or which direction or if they're going the wrong direction or anything, and they start talking about a beach that I've never heard of before, and the beach they're looking for is called New Samaria Beach. <laughs> Sounds funny, right? Yeah, it sounded funny to me. And so I just kind of sat back and I thought, that's a weird beach. I've not heard of that, but I'm just going to keep quiet in case there's some kind of hidden beach, magical beach that's going to all of a sudden come about. And so as we're cruising, I hear it again and again and again, and that's back before GPS. You couldn't just type it in. They're looking for signs. There's no new Samaria Beach anywhere. And so finally, after the 10th time of saying it and sitting in this car in the back of the van, I'm getting kind of nauseous from sitting way back there and driving all sorts of ways. I finally speak up, and I say, do you guys mean New Smyrna Beach? <laughs> and sure enough, that was the beach. And they had a good laugh like y'all did, and they realized Maybe we should turn this around. And so that's what we did is we turned around and we went to New Smyrna Beach where we were supposed to be all along. And Philippians 4.13 is kind of like that. It is one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, and yet it's commonly one of the most misquoted verses of all time. And so all I want to do today is I just kind of want to turn the van in the proper direction. I don't know if you've ever, if you've been on this journey, I've been on the journey before, where I, I just got to, I got to switch it up. I got to get the verbiage right on this one. So in order to do that, I kind of want to start off with some fun facts about the book of Philippians, okay? So it's Paul who's writing to the city of Philippi, okay? It's one of the first areas that he planted a church in. And so he's writing this letter, and it's unusual because it's different than all the other letters that he wrote. It's not a doctrinal uh, type uh, book. It is a book that's actually a thank you letter to these people, thanking them for their generosity. They'd supported him in his missionary journeys, and so he's thanking them for giving towards that. Uh, it's also he's imprisoned while he's there, okay? So he's imprisoned in some kind of way. They say that he was possibly even chained to a guard, and he's, they believe he was in Rome when he was imprisoned at this time. And so when, if you know anything about Rome during that time, Rome at that time was, was the emperor was Nero. And Nero, if you know anything about Nero, was not fond of people, much less Christian believer type people, he was pretty hostile towards these people, okay? And so as he writes this, as Paul is writing this, he is realizing that the end of his life may come very soon. 
He, may, he realizes that death might be on the horizon. And so it's interesting to note that all of these things are happening. So what I present to you is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me might not be a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? It might not be if you say this and you quote this, you will automatically get out of jail. This is not what I believe he was trying to say. Truth is this verse is not a promise that life is always going to go our way. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. Uh, I have a habit of losing things. Does anybody have that habit? I call it a gift, right? (laughs) You just lose things all the time. And unfortunately, one of the things that I lose all the time are my keys, okay? And I've lost my keys. I could not tell you how many times here at the church. Uh, We've done multiple construction projects, and I lose my keys almost every time we do a construction project, right? And a lot of people that work here and have even attended here have helped me to find my keys, right? And it's just, I don't know why. And what I found that when I'm stressed and when the construction's going on, I tend to throw my keys away for some reason, right? There's actually a specific trash can. I know which trash can it is that I throw my keys in. So I've gotten to the point (laughs) that I go directly to that trash can and look in the trash can, right? And what I've done is I've just, I, I trail my steps. You guys trail your steps when you lose things, right? And I trail my steps, and I've gotten to the point where I actually, if other people lose their keys or lose their items, I go with them. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we've got to trail our steps. Usually we're not looking at the trash can for their stuff, but it's just my stuff. But I, I've gotten to a point where I can actually now help other people with this problem, right? And I want you to know, I know I'm nice, right? Thank you. Uh, I want you to know that I just want to take a couple steps back of Philippians 4.13, and I believe it's going to give us the keys to what this verse actually means, okay? So let's go back to verse 11, Philippians 4.11. It says, I am not saying this out of need, okay? He was thanking the, the city already, and he's not asking for anything that he needs here, but he says, for I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I know or what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of contentment or of, of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether living in plenty. Now, we, we saw there the words content and the secret of contentment, and we'll come back to that. But the two words I want to point out here are the words circumstances and situations, and you might think to yourself, circumstances, situations. I mean, Paul, he's just writing to other believers, and like he's probably up on some mountain having a great time, you know, and that's just the life that he lived. He didn't live a very difficult life. But I want to talk to you about 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. This is Paul talking. He said, I have worked harder. I have been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned, whatever that means. Three times, I was shipwrecked. Once, I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. And I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. Those two things go hand in hand, rivers and robbers, right? I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. And I have faced danger in the cities, in the 
deserts and on seas, and I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights, and I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food, and I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. All right, so years ago, uh, I used to, and I've, I've talked about this before, but I used to be in the trades and used to do, it's kind of, construction is a little bit of my background, but I spent about three years on my own kind of trying to learn these trades uh, without anybody teaching me very well, and nobody really took me under their, under their wing to kind of show me, so I was just kind of figuring it out those first few years, right? And then I ran into a couple guys that had been through some things. Uh, one's name was Jeff, another's name was David. And these guys had been through difficult times. They'd been in, in and out of prison. And they had also created some habits in their life that they had to work really hard to be able to support these habits, okay? And, and that also got them into all this trouble. But through that process, they, were, they became masters at the trade, okay? They became very, very good. And those guys both took me under their wing and they showed me, in the, in the last two years that I was in construction, they showed me some real tricks of the trade, right? They showed me all their secrets. I mean, these guys taught me how to work with chisels. They taught me all sorts of things, and it was really compacted in those last two years. And it sped up. I would say those two years uh, were, I learned more in those two years than I ever did in the first three, even close, right? And why that was was because I was uh, working with people that were masters at what they did. And I believe Paul, because of what he's expressing here, he's actually a master at what he does. He is the best, or he, he has gone through some really, really hard times. I don't even think I know anybody that's gone through that hard of a time. And yet, he is trying to tell us that he has a secret that he's going to share with us and with this church uh, that is about contentment. It's about him being content. He's mastered it, and he's sharing that. And he says, I have learned the secret of being content. Now, in that little phrase right there, what I see is that Paul learned to be content, right? He learned it, that, that contentment actually is a learned process. It's not something that you just wake up and you're just automatically content. In fact, uh, what, it, what also I see there is that he went through some things. He went through difficulty, uh, and that also helped him to become content. And what I want to tell you is that through that process, I've seen people where they've gone through difficulty and yet they didn't learn how to ever be content. But Paul's saying, you can learn this trait. And contentment, the other thing I, I can see there is contentment is not something you're born with naturally. Like some people are just like naturally chill, right? I wish I was one of those people who was just natural, like chill, like peace, right, all the time. I love those people. But this is talking about something else, the word content in the Greek, it means autarkes, which means sufficiency within. It means an inward adequacy, right, that comes through the indwelling power of Christ. I love that definition. I also see in the, I, I, I found something in the English, I think I have it in your bulletin, but I have something in the English uh, that says that contentment means satisfied, independent of external circumstances. Satisfied independently of external circumstances. And Paul's secret to living satisfied independently of external circumstances wasn't gritting his teeth and saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this, right? Wasn't doing that. Because here's the truth of the matter. If you do that, 
and it doesn't turn out how you want it, what, what do you do then? I was going to save out a story. I'm going to tell you the story anyways. But there was a, a, a friend of a friend that I was around uh, years ago, and we were outside with all the youth, and this gentleman was in his 70s, and he was really far away from the basketball hoop, right? And he decided he was going to shoot the basketball from where he was at and say, in Jesus' name, and try to make that basketball hoop, right? Now, mind you, he missed every single shot. He was bricking it so much he could build a house. And I was also thinking (laughs) that Jesus, you're embarrassing Jesus with this whole basketball thing. Please stop saying in Jesus' name, okay? He didn't probably shoot basketball back then. I don't think so, but maybe he did. I don't know, right? And so what I'm trying to tell you is he didn't, Paul's not trying to say grit your teeth and push past it and you'll get what you want. And this actually sounds a little bit like discontentment. The word discontent is a feeling of wanting better treatment or an improved situation. And look, I'm all for improved situations. I'm all for better treatment. I'm all for setting goals and having dreams and writing down those dreams. I understand all of that type of thinking. But when we believe that once, but I, I actually think some of it sounds like discontentment to where, where if we believe that once we get the thing, then we'll be satisfied. Whatever it could be. Maybe, um, maybe you want a new house, right? Maybe you want a new house and you look at the market and you're like, wow, the market's kind of special right now, right? Wouldn't you guys agree? It's just kind of, I don't know. It's not the most exciting where you can get a shed for half a million dollars. No big deal. <laughs> and if you, and what you think in your head is once I buy that house, then I will become content. And then you get the house and you realize, oh my gosh, this house requires, I got to mow the grass. I actually have to pay the bills. And then I have to fix everything on the house. And then you lose that contentment only to realize that you never really had it in the first place. Maybe it's a new spouse. Maybe you're like, man, once I get that spouse, she's going to make me happy. She's going to fulfill all my dreams. He is Mr. Prince Charming. I'm sure he's going to do everything only to realize that they're also looking for contentment. And they're looking for it in you as well. And then you both become discontent, right? Or maybe kids. You're like, one day I'm going to have kids and that will fulfill, fulfill all of my dreams. And then all you have to do is talk to people that have kids. <laughs> and you realize maybe some, I'm missing something, right? Maybe it's more money. Maybe you're like, man, if I can make that amount, I will be satisfied. Right? But the only problem is, is mo money, mo problems right? If you don't learn to be content with what you have, you can't handle what's more, right? Or perfect people. Maybe you're looking for perfect people. I know that was something me and my wife did, looking for people that just are going to fulfill everything. They're going to be perfect people, and they're not going to have any drama, and you're going to find, and then you just never can find those people, right? And this is why I think a couple weeks ago when Clark was talking about that God is so good, right? That God is good. Do you remember? And you think that's a really simple thing to know that God is good, But if you could really think on it, if you could really put that at the forefront of your mind to know that God is good, and no matter what my circumstances are telling me, you get to be an optimist automatically because you know that God is good and that he is with you always. Um, I believe a more accurate translation to this Philippians 4.13 is actually in the NIV. The NIV got it right this time, y'all. But it says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The words can do there 
It's a verb. I'm not going to pronounce it in the Greek because it sounds weird every time I say it. But it says it means to be strong or it means strength. Now, unfortunately, the uh, writers or the translators decided to translate it into the words can do. But the same word is used 27 other times in the New Testament as strength or strong. But here, unfortunately, they put it as can do. So then, therefore, everybody thinks that we can just do whatever we set our mind to. But that's not the honest truth. Or the words all, the word all is an adjective. It means pos, which means all or every kind. So Paul was not trying to be strong in all things. He was not trying to be strong in all things. We could try to be strong in all things, but I'm telling you today, I'm not strong in all things. And no matter how hard you try, you will not be strong in all things. But I think a more proper translation is all this. And you might say, well, what is all this? What is all this? Right? It's whatever you're facing today. It's whatever you're up against. It's whatever phone call you've gotten, whatever thing you're stressed out about, whatever is constantly on your mind. It's all this. Philippians, I love the, let's go to the last verse in Philippians 4.14 there. It says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Now, could you imagine if you're going through one of the hardest things that you've gone through in your life and somebody texts you and says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. That's not a very encouraging text. Right? But what I think he was trying to say to these, these people in um, Philippi was that he's, he's glad that they're sharing in his troubles because he knows that the sooner they share in those troubles, the sooner they will draw from the one that can supply, that can satisfy, so that we're not stressed out about external circumstances. And I get questions like this all the time. I don't know if you guys do. But uh, Matt, is COVID going to come back again? <laughs> as if I know, right? Is COVID going to come back again? You know, I, maybe, I don't know. But can I tell you, I, I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. Matt, are we ever going to go back down on lockdown again? Maybe. But can I tell you, I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me? Uh, Matt, is the economy going to turn upside down and people are going to lose their jobs and foreclosures are going to happen? Maybe. But I can do all this. We can do all this through Christ who strengthens us. Right? Um, Matt, is the election going to go the way some people want it? Maybe. Some people are going to be slightly disappointed with how the election is going to go, right? It's a 50-50 chance that it could go whichever way we want. But can I tell you, I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. You can do all this. There's only so much we can do in the natural. Wouldn't you agree? I remember during, during COVID, okay, this is just a little bit of a testimony for me, but during COVID, during 2020, I kind of lost my mind a little bit. Did anybody lose their mind? Do I have anybody? Am I in good company? And I'll tell you, I was researching, and I was researching, and I was researching. I was the researcher of all researchers, right? Like, if you wanted to know about research, come talk to me, because, I mean, I was the researchee something. I don't know. Chief, research chief, that's good, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I was watching everything. I had followed every person on social media. I had gone to all, you know, I, I, I thought I had it all figured out to a point that my emotions were out of control. I was waking up, and I was going to sleep, sleep looking at the news. And uh, I would wake up at 2 a.m. sometimes looking at the news, sure that I'm going to be able to research enough to where I control that circumstance. And then I hit a wall 
emotionally. And I had a dream and all this other stuff. And the, the thing I felt like the Lord reminded me was that physical problems have spiritual solutions, right? And that doesn't mean that I was going to be able to fix that physical problem. It doesn't mean that I could change that thing. But I did find that I was forgetting what the rest of Philippians 4.13 says. And let me read it to you. It says, through him who gives me strength. The word strength means in dunamo, which means to empower or to make strong. A better, I think a good translation is Philippians 4.13 in the Passion. And it says, and I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. And that word power right there, it means dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. It's also where this word strong or strength comes from. But I want to explain to you, God infuses us with dynamite power, right? Uh, so I, I told you about the construction part. Uh, there was another guy I was working with, and uh, he... Uh, we were doing a panel change. I don't know if you know what a panel change is, but you guys know little breakers where something goes bad in your house and you flip the panel and you're like, okay. So that's a panel. We were doing a panel change and we were updating this house on a new panel. It was from the 50s or 60s or whatever. And we're getting it all set. And so this guy thought that he had turned the power off to the outside of the house. Okay? And I'm inside. I'm changing an outlet out because I'm thinking the power is out too. And I'm working on this outlet and all of a sudden, behind me, the whole house lights up, looks like lightning inside, doosh, 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 right? And I was like, what was that? And I was afraid to turn around because I knew what the guy was doing, and I just yelled out his name in silence, right? And he finally, about three seconds later, responded back, I'm okay. And I turned around, and he, as he's working with this big main line, it had rubbed up against his zipper, thankfully, and blown some holes into his sweatshirt, to where you could literally see right through a sweatshirt, right? Like he was fine, but a sweatshirt was not. It was all done, right? And his eyes were like this, and he goes, I think I forgot to turn the power off. I was like, do you think? <laughs> Got a funny feeling, too. Less lightning came in, you forgot. And so, of course, he went outside and turned it off and finished the job. But I want you to know, he didn't know the power that he had in his hands, he didn't recognize what was going on with what was right in front of him. And I think Philippians 4.13, it's not a bravado of how powerful we are, but how strong Christ actually is. You might ask, why is all this important? Why are you sharing this? Why are we talking about this? I think it's important for the same reason that it was important when Paul was writing it to the Philippians. Paul's victory didn't come through his strength, right? His secret was he didn't do it. But Christ did it through him, which means it's a, the secret is available to all of us as believers. Paul's victory, you guys sang about victory this morning, Paul's victory came through his union with Christ. Uh, some of you watched uh, some of the games last night uh, where the Chiefs, beat the Giants, right? Am I saying it right? Or no, they beat Jacksonville. Yeah, get me straight. Yeah. 
And what's so funny about I, I watched some of the, the, the people after they won, but they're, they're saying, I won, I won, I won, you know, right? And they, maybe they did win. Maybe they put a bet on. I don't know. But they won, okay? Now everybody's going to be wearing their stuff and proud, and maybe they didn't wear it as much before, but now they're proud, right? But I won. And the truth is, is they didn't really have a whole lot to do with them winning, right? The football team actually won. But when they won, those people won. And what I want you to know is Christ, when he won, we won. When he had victory, we had victory. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So we can live with or we can live without. The secret to contentment is knowing external things will change. They will at times go in a direction that we don't really want it to go. There's going to be things in our life where, man, it's going to be very frustrating. You're going to see things in your life that, man, I could, I could say whatever I want to say. I could do whatever I want to do, but there's only so much I can do. And I have to learn the power that I'm holding that's inside of me that I can draw from his strength. Right? Um, I'm going to close with this verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. That's what, that's what my... I want that to be my quote for, for my own year for this year, is my gra- God's grace, Christ's grace, is all I need. My power works best in weakness. The sooner we can figure out that we're weak, that we can't do all the things that we set out our mind to do, the better because we can draw on his strength. So now I'm glad to boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. I don't care what kind of circumstances you got going on in your life, you have going on in your life. I don't care if you've got some kind of crazy phone call. I don't care if your face, if you're up against something, you're stressed out. They might be talking about your job. They might be talking about the economy. They might be talking about your house. They might be talking, maybe you're standing in front of your spouse and you're like, I'm not sure if this is going to work. Look, I, I understand in your own strength, there's certain things that aren't just going to work. But when we, be, when we learn to pull from the source, we learn to pull from the power that he gives us, then we can be strong. Amen? Let me pray over us, and then we're going to let you guys out. But, Father, we thank you, God, for this morning, that each one that's here, God, whether we've tried for a long time or, God, I, I thank you, God, we release whatever that is that we're, we're struggling with. We release whatever it is that we're trying to make happen. And, God, we trust you, God, that you speak to each one. You encourage us, God. That the greater one does live inside of us and we can learn to be content no matter what the outward circumstances that are going on around us. We can draw from your strength to overcome and we have the victory because of who you are in us. We love you, God. We thank you for your mercy is new every day. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen.